Kyle, we have a romantic comedy this week. Brian, I love rom-coms. I, honest, I sincerely do. Are you more of a romantic guy or a comedy guy? I'm definitely more of a comedy guy, but I am as a person. Like, I mean, it comes comedy and then romance, but I am, I just... I don't, I mean I love a good I love a good rom-com in the sense of like I love a good kismet like the serendipity of it another and, romant, romantic comedy serendipity. Yeah, the only thing I like about that is well Kate Beckinsale is gorgeous and the uh those uh hot chocolate like frozen sundays at Serendipity the restaurant are delicious. Is that in the movie? I don't know, but that restaurant is. Oh, I didn't. And that's I, like the signature thing. I didn't seen it in a long time. I yeah. guess speaking of that, do you have uh, any favorites? I mean, yeah. I know some. I'm not going to go to top five on this one. I'm just no, gonna no, no. Just, just go for yeah. it. We're, we're informally chatting here. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm gonna you know first shout out to our main man, PSH. Long came Polly. People, we were going to talk about it, obviously when we get to that yeah. episode, but people shit on that rom com. I love it. It follows tropes, but it has well, well, Ben shit, Stiller. People shit on rom coms yeah. in general. Sure. But Jennifer Aniston, come on. She's made, like, her recent, like, career is, like, comedies. So she's sure. great in that. Ben Stiller, classic. And then Philip Seymour Hoffman giving one of the best, like, comedic performances of all time. Anything else? But, yeah. So I'm just going to rattle them off. Moonstruck, My Best Friend's oh, Moonstruck, Wedding. Moonstruck, Moonstruck. When Harry Met Sally, Love Actually, Splash, John Candy. Come on. Crazy Stupid Love. I, that's, that might be my favorite. Are you into that guy's show? Never this mind. is us. Uh, Everyone's like, you gotta watch This Is Us. You I don't know. That's us. not me. This is us. <laughs> that's not me. Uh, Notting Hill. I love Notting Hill. Wow. Hugh Grant kind of guy. High Fidelity. We both love that movie. High Fidelity. Uh, to me, that's like more than a romantic comedy. But I understand, just, but I, felt, I, okay. I put it fair, in here. Fair, fair. Hannah and her sisters and then Annie Hall. I was going to say, no Woody Allen's on no. there. Hannah and her sisters and Annie Hall. Fair. Good. I like that list. I'm satisfied. <sighs> I'll have what she's having. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Iggy Pop! Amen! Let him rock! I'm a fucking idiot! Red meat, we crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Jimmy Cody. Why don't you have some fun? Fun! Fun! Tommy, that's a paper. Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her and I'm gonna hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish! <laughs> I'm always home, I'm on cool. This is a process of dehumanization. Shut, 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 shut up! Hi, Hoff fans. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode of the PSI Love Hoffman podcast, our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Kyle Reinfried. We're always home, we're always on cool, we're always ready to talk great movies. And today we'll be chatting about a romantic comedy, as we stated in our opening there. Yes. The name of the film? Next Stop Wonderland. Yep, Next Stop Wonderland. And I mentioned it on the previous uh, podcast. This is a film that I had not seen. I've seen it. I know I've seen it. I didn't remember anything about good, it. Good, good. So we're kind of both This is like coming, a fresh conversation. Yes, we're coming with semi-virgin eyes, at least. Yes. And um, I was looking forward to seeing it. And, well, Kyle, what did you think of the film first? I mean, there's some things I don't like about it. But overall, very enjoyable and down to like the performances, I really actually I, the biggest thing I enjoyed about it was I liked the way it was shot. It just had this very raw yeah, feeling to it. I, I actually really liked this too. Um, it, it the cinematography in this was rather enjoyable. Yeah, there's just a, like a lot of great. 
just from like the way they use the lenses as far as the zooms. You don't and often just, like, say that though about a romantic comedy. No, it was a very well. It's it's a it's a good. I mean, out of those uh, rom coms that I said in the opening, how many of them are really like? independent rom-coms and this that's what this is this was like an indie favorite at sundance and after it was this film was made for only a million dollars which i know that's a lot but as far as uh budget not a lot and then it sold to miramax for six million so i mean it was and a, unfortunately it only made three so maybe that's why it's been lost in yeah. time miramax lost their money but our main man, Philip Seymour Hoffman, gives an awesome performance. Yeah, that's movie. definitely true. Definitely, but that's my favorite thing about this movie. This movie kind of, you know, I'm a Woody Allen fan in of terms course. of the films. It's um, it remind it gave me a little bit of a Woody Allen feel. Yeah, for it sure. Didn't have like a lot of his personal trademarks, but no, it's not. I mean, between like, it's not like it's ensemble, and it's not like that Woody Allen dialogue. No, and he, look, but in, Woody Allen's not an indie director. It's got a strong female character for sure. Yeah, but he he definitely has an indie feel, quote unquote, to his films, uh, and it kind of reminded me of that. Um, why don't you tell our audience what Next Stop Wonderland's about? Here we go, people. We love these. Boston, late nineties. Whoa. Is this like a Boston, Boston film? Like, I mean, like it's definitely. Town, hey, like, the movie is called Next Stop Wonderland, and Wonderland is a stop on the Boston Metro. Which it is. I did look it up. It wasn't like made for the movie. No, so I mean, hey, but Boston, late '90s dating scene, kind of rough. <laughs> <laughs> we have Aaron, played by Hope Davis, recently left by Sean, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, and then there's Alan, played by. Alan Gelfont. I don't know how to say his last name. They're on a path to meet. Is it coincidence? Fate? Is their next stop Wonderland? Very good. Very nice. I like that. I left it open because that's what this film does. It's just a constant open like path of are these people going to meet? And you really don't no, until yeah, this is something that I wasn't. I mean, I, I liked, but it's also something we've seen so many times. We've maybe, maybe even done it on the podcast, like Fate versus. Yeah, well, I just said before, fate. one of my favorite things is a kismet, and this film is like that's what it leads a up. A very to. long one, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the whole the whole film is the opening like act of a rom com. So this film got seventy four percent on Rotten Tomatoes, both critics and audience. Do you think that's fair? That's pretty fair. That's fair. And that's not, good for not, a romantic comedy, not, actually. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not brilliant filmmaking. But it's fun to see, like, a film from that time. It does have, like, a, a kind of a, it has a 90s vibe to it. And there's some decent performances. I mean, definitely, so let's, I'm just going to say it. I, the weakest thing definitely is Alan Gelfand, <laughs> Gelfant. The guy's done nothing. Like, oh, let's just put it this way. His IMDb page, not IMDb Pro, and doesn't have a picture. <laughs> Very weird, right? So that's just, like, you know, and, you know, I mean, I love it. He plays, you know, his real name is Alan, plays a character Alan. Love it when that happens. You always get a sense when that happens, though, like, he maybe he knew the director or something. Well, it's, sure. <laughs> I mean, when you get the Alan, like, the same name, like, kind of thing, it's either someone of clout that's just, like, a Jack Nicholson that's yeah, playing, playing a Jack, Jack or whatever, yeah. or you're getting a guy that's probably not that good, and you're just like, it's going to be easier if we call him Alan, because when we say his name, he's not going to remember and turn I around. don't think either happened here, do you? What's that? That you thought he wasn't that good, and that's why they named him Alan. 
Because why would they cast him? I, I just, my theory here, and by the way, guys, there's very little information on this film, which is weird because it's like a known film. Sure. Um, I figured, like, he knew the director no, the, I'm sure or the writer, yeah. and the writer probably wrote it for him. And yeah. then... You know what's a really funny thing? People take a look up at this IMDb. The uh, director, Brad Anderson, the pictures of him that I saw, he looks a lot like... Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. He doesn't look like Philip Seymour Hoffman, but it looks a lot like his character. <laughs> it's always funny when In the sense of, like, movies. the longer hair and, like, the wool, like, the cap that he's wearing. It's just a very, like, I feel like... Maybe he became a character in his movies. I always say that about Wes Anderson. Uh-huh. You watch, like, old special features of Wes Anderson, and he's, like, this dork with, like, glasses, yeah. and he's just, like, a, a dude. But you see Wes Anderson now, and he's in, like... A, a red suit, yeah, like exactly. flowing he's hair, wor- yeah. and he has become a character in his own films. Oh, you know? of course, like, <laughs> he's finally, yeah, he's living out his. <laughs> he own lives fantasies. in his universe. Yeah. I'd yeah. love to see his home, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I just want to touch back on romantic comedies itself. Yeah, I and we'll get into the cast because there are some people here. I was like, oh my god, this guy. Yeah, but um, uh, a lo- like we said before, like a lot of people do shit on romantic comedies, and sometimes I think it's fair because they can be too easy. But other times, I really think it's unfair. And here's why. A lot of people criticize, oh, you know, not everything in life is is just talking about, like, guys getting together with girls or, or romance and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's true. There are deeper questions in this world. But it does happen, and it's a genre. It does happen. It's a genre. And it happens a lot. Go through, like, your conversations, especially in, like, you know, your... your Single days, which oh my, well, I'm, I'm still, not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. A, no, I didn't know if you wanted me to disclose. You still no, are. You you are in a long term relationship, and I am in a long term single. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Very fair to say. yes, fair, fair. Yeah. If I were to go through your phone right now, which I won't, because it would scare me probably. Yeah. But if I were to go through your phone right now, I'm kid. I kid. Wouldn't a lot of those conversations be about romance, or for lack of a better word? Um, not particularly a lot, but I, I a percentage. Sure. I mean, definitely. I mean, Hey, there was a more than chasing a shark. Certainly. Yeah, no, there's, yeah, for sure. There's, there was a point on my cell phone that there was a folder that said dating on it (laughs) and there there was multiple dating apps on this. Oh, and I'm glad you brought up online dating because I do want to bring that up Yeah. because this, uh, and I'll, I'll say this later, but this film does remind me of like. If online dating were a movie before online dating existed, is there a good not you and like a good online dating movie? I'm trying to think of reason. I'm I'm a bit out of touch of. The we're out of touch with the modern ones. I'm yeah. sure it's happened. I'm sure, there's got. I'm be. sure there. I is. know there's good usage of like, you know, online dating or just even like social media on in movies now. But this was this was cool because I mean th- the whole thing is that our main character Erin, her mom puts out a classified yeah classified so ad. it's like the you know original it's like this and you've got mail as far as uh... yeah so I was gonna say you've got mail which yeah. is, which I actually like a lot of people don't I'm not a I'm not a Hanks Meg Meg Ryan kind of guy not, not a Joe Vos for the volcano no that's We've, a weird we, movie. yeah that is weird we've gone over this though but like I, I work in the Upper West Side and like I've seen all the things from the movie yeah. it's a very New York film sure regardless I think it's been addressed it's been handled like even in there's that movie where it has an ensemble oh he's just not that into you have you ever seen that one it plays on TV a lot yeah 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 I like that addresses like online dating as well but recently you mentioned like online dating apps that I had never even heard of 
I think the technology changes so fast that by the time they make one, it's kind of like moved on to something something different. Yeah, it's even like the next, you know, generation or just not even generation. Like, like, <laughs> like the next like, like toddlers on like honestly generations now. I feel like I like I mean we're you know nearing our thirties, but it's nearing I, I still, our thirties. Yeah. Very near for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but actually, ladies and gentlemen, by the time this came out, I am thirty. So, um, we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Where am I in my life? Am I happy? But uh, the big thing is, I honestly, I think like generations don't exist anymore. It's just like increments of four. I feel like people like in their co- like from school and stuff like that. And point being, it's just like you know, like now the two. I feel like the two big ones out there are. Bumble, which is like an upgraded version of Tinder, and then like Hinge, I was just told recently by somebody is a good one. Hinge. Again, I've never even heard of that. I mean, I'm... Well, yeah. For all your knowledge of online dating, I have very little knowledge of the subject. You've always been a relationship guy. You can have a relationship with online dating, no? Yeah, no, I'm not not denying that. Gotcha, gotcha. So, back to this cast, right? Yeah. So there was a couple of people in here. I was like, oh, this guy's in it. One of them was H. John Benjamin. I know. I've, look at that. <laughs> at the bottom. H. You know, John Benjamin. I have the same exact note, which is like yeah. exclamation points. First I Arch- saw him, I'm like... Archer? Yeah, that's not... <laughs> is that? Because he doesn't really have the... Obviously, obviously not the Archer voice. I don't even think he's really found his voice yet no. at this point. Because this is 1998, this film came yeah. out. And what, Archer is in its like fifth season right now? Sixth season? So point being... Between that kind of stuff, I mean, even what, when did Wet Hot American Summer? That's like two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah, and he's just a voice, in and that. he's a voice, but he has that. Oh, true. The can is. Yeah, is the voice of H. John Benjamin. And again, he's not a big character in this film. No, no, no. But it, I mean, and he, I mean, he's he looks younger. He doesn't have the beard. But yeah, when I saw him, like, H. John Benjamin. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, I want a rom com that he's more. He's like such a. I'm kind of sad that he's not like, a movie guy, and he'd be such a great sidekick in movies. His show didn't do well. I only caught it, like, briefly. When I loved on. his show. It, it did just, no, and it was good, but yeah. it, it just didn't do well, obviously. The van one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I respect, I'm a van guy myself. That's <laughs> true, so. you are a van guy. Yeah. Uh, Holly Ta- Holland Taylor, I think her name is, um, she played the mom. I'd seen her in stuff before. Yeah. She, she's uh, in... Jog George of the Jungle? Here. George of the Jungle, yeah. <laughs> With Leslie Mann, one of my favorites. Yeah. Kid. Um, you know who else is in it? Robert Klein. Love Robert Klein. Very underutilized in this film. Though. Yes, that's a shame. He's not particularly funny in this film. just cause... He has one funny line. It's in the beginning, and it reminded me of one of my favorite lines of movies of all time. He says, I love fish. They're great creatures. <laughs> one of my favorite <laughs> oh, yeah. lines of all time is Chris Cooper in adaptation saying, Fuck fish. <laughs> <laughs> you like your fish lines. Love my fish lines. Jaws fan too. So yeah. Some fish lines in there, literally end. Yeah. yeah sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but not a big cast here. No. Uh, I mean, I you like Hope I, Davis. Hope Davis is good. She, she, she. I mean, her. I like her character. I think she did a very great job at at this character. Mm-hmm. She didn't feel like like. Um, classic, you know, like a Kate Hudson again, and, and 
I'm not dissing Kate Hudson. Oh, I films, love but. when like this like the mob collector guy Frank or whatever. I love when he's like hitting on her in the bar and she just totally like uses her strong medical knowledge on him just to like push away his sleaziness. Yeah, yeah, no, and she's good. I think she does it's a, a really fun good character job here. Trait. So as you kind of alluded to, she plays a nurse. Yeah, so she what's her deal? She was in college and doing really well and she was going to school for for, like, to be for, a doctor. To be a doctor. But she didn't have, like, the heart for it. But she's yeah. still a registered and nurse. And also, so she's, yeah. She's in the field. She's in the field, yeah. But she, but supposedly she really, okay. I mean, she keeps being modest when she's having lunch with her mom and, like, mom's friend and her son or something like that. But I guess, and she also left it because her father died. That was kind of, I think, played a part. Yeah, there's too. a lot of, like, undercurrents of that. Yeah. By the way, this film takes place in a short time span. Yeah. More or less. I don't know why we're avoiding this. I guess we're just so used to talking about the other parts of movies. This movie opens with our guy. What a great opening it is. Philip Zimmer Hoffman, and he he does great. And it was at this point where I'm like, I hope we see him again in this movie. But if theoretically we don't, at least he made his presence felt. It's a strong opening for a character. And we get, it's kind, it's kind of nice. We kind of get him in each act. We do, and yeah. it's pretty cool. So uh, why don't we play this clip? Let's because play the first clip. Th- this might be one of my favorite Phil Zimmer Hoffman clips, at least one that I'd never heard of. So. This is a great showcasing of his comedic talent. Definitely. So let's play. I didn't. I didn't mean it to be this way. This every the reasons why I'm leaving are on this tape. It points out the six points of why I think our relationship is doomed and why I'm leaving. You can watch it later. I was going to mail it, but now I'll just give it to you. Are you taking your VCR? Did you leave that? I bought the VCR. I'm taking my VCR. I bought the only thing I'm taking. What is that on top of the car? That's that's our futon. That's it's my futon. I'm taking the. Can I please take the futon? Please. First of all, I love the mu- I mean the music in this film in general. Oh, no, and, and, and I want to talk about that. And it's like talked by like the character. It's a big part yeah, yeah. of Aaron. And we'll discuss that. Yes. But so but that's our introduction to it and it's got this great little bossa nova beat, you know, going on and the juxtaposition between this calm some might call it in the realm of like elevator music. I love that this movie just kicks off with this chaos between Aaron and Sean. And she is walking home 
from work, I'm assuming, and sees her boyfriend. Her live-in boyfriend. Her live-in boyfriend packing up the car. And, I mean, one of the first lines is just like, I made you a tape. (laughs) I made you a tape. I love that he's made a tape to break up with his girlfriend. Like, the points. That's fantastic. (laughs) He's just, he's... It's great because he's so selfish. Yeah. And he's so, ugh, like, I hate this so guy. Ar- yeah, we, we we know plenty of people. We Actually, we listened to a great interview with Philip Zimmer Hoffman, and he says... It's one we've cited before. Yeah, and it's an NPR one, yeah. And he says, Fresh you know, take. like, they're, yeah, exactly. They're asking him, and he's like, oh, yeah, I knew there's three people off the top of my head from college that, like, I base this off of. You know, that you get on your soapbox. And that's what kind of character this is. He, uh, you know, the Tantuninis need him. (laughs) The Tantuninis. It's just so, like, everything's about him. Yeah. You know? He can't take the cat with him. Yeah, he pretends he's, like, sacrificing for the world. But it's really about him. Yeah, I love it. He still has, he has the long hair. He's got the, kind of like I said earlier about the director, how he looks the same. But he's got that, like, black you know, cat. You know, winter cap on. He's got his like rounded glasses. He's got this perfect look to him of the even like the army green like jacket. This like protester. Yeah, he, he's he's like a liberal. I'm gonna save the world kind yeah, of guy. Yeah, exactly. Though again, it can't be saved without him, and it's much more. You know, it's much more important than his relationship with Aaron. No, he complains that she doesn't read the news and yeah. stuff like that. And That's that, point yeah. number eight. Yeah. <laughs> And then I bought the VCR. I love it. This, this realm of I don't know. I guess I I I don't side with the guy, but I just I'm in love with this guy that just has this. I'm gonna make a tape for you, and he wants to like those are his like necessities, like you know, saving the world. But then it's like I don't know. This is like relationship with video in a way. You also get a sense, and and they do this on purpose that Aaron, like, could do better than this guy. You know. Definitely. You get a sense that, like, Aaron... I mean, from then we learn about, obviously, left the idea of becoming a doctor and became a nurse. Like, she has this lack of a better way of, like, settling attitude to her. Like, that she can be content. Like, she probably loved this idea of this guy that wants to fight the good fight. He's passionate. Yeah, he's He's passionate. Yeah, exactly. That's what she sees, but obviously it's, like, a, a very selfish passion. It's not passion towards her. Yeah, and it, it it's... I mean, maybe at one point it was. Who knows? Yeah. And we also get the idea of, like, how he's done this before. You know? He yeah. Says, you know. We, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whatever. He's just... As much as I don't like this guy... I love I lo- his performance. I love his performance. I love it. And yeah. it's just a, another one of these knockouts here. Yeah, plays this character to the T. Also love, and, and you said this too, like, what a great way to open a film. Yeah, it's really refreshing. I love any film that just, like, you know, cut the bullshit. Honestly, it reminds me of, in a way, of one of my rom-coms I said I really, really liked before, Crazy Stupid Love. It just opens up with this boring dinner between Steve Carell and Julianne Moore, and then on the drive home, she's or at the restaurant, she says how you know she's cheating. Yeah. On him, and then he just rolls out of the car on the way home. It just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Yeah, this, this is, one's this, even faster. Yeah, than that. this is our plot. This is where our character is at, and he he just you know like hits this ball, 
out of the field and, you know, puts Aaron into this predicament of I'm single. Oh shit. And that's what our film is about. She's single and she's back in this world of dating. He, so he's the catalyst of our film essentially. Definitely. Yeah. And unfortunately we don't see him a lot, but I'm satisfied because I love all three instances. We do see. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Kyle, so you dotted on the Bossa Nova music. Were you a fan of it, or did it take away from the film? Well, I mean, I, I, I love jazz. I think this was a fun... I mean, that and that's one of my biggest things I love about Woody Allen movies, is his music selection. And this was a really fun uh, aspect of this movie. It has these Bossa Nova, Spanish-Brazilian... Yeah, you know. it, Bossa Nova is like, you know, the traditional like Brazilian-style jazz, right? Yeah. I guess you call it. And... I could see how someone might say it would take away from the film. It does, it is explained later in the film, like mm-hmm. almost she's a big fan of it. She's a big fan of it, and then a character we meet is from that area. From that area. Her father brought her to Brazil as a child, yeah. and she's always like been fascinated it, with it. It's just a fun character, I don't want to call it a character quirk, but a character connection. And we get to see, like, I don't know, I mean, Aaron, or we can just even say, like, Hope Davis is kind of a vanilla woman. <laughs> she's like I, mean, I don't know. Vanilla. I don't know how Hope Davis is in real life. No, but, but Aaron just, certainly is played that way. Yeah. You know? But this is a, like it's a nice thing to learn about her. I also found it nice because we've talked about this. The soundtracks of this era, or I should say, the scores, really not that great. You know, or just well, they sound dated to us. Sure, and I mean, this film definitely stems from. I think they found a really fun way of like a you know, low cost effective music realm. Because when you have a budget of a million dollars you can't go willy nilly of Yeah, that's tools. true. And it's funny because it's like you you think production wise, or we'll just even say screenplay wise, do you think the Bossa Nova came but like did they try to work it in? Or was I it think like it the was opposite? just like a I mean the director was a you know also a co writer on this, so between him and the other writer. I think it was something from the get-go that they were like, oh, let's create like this fun little, you know. Regardless, they tied it in very well. It just, the story in general just seems like a pretty personal story that like isn't too many degrees away from a story that happened in real life. Yeah, and good romantic comedies are. Of course, there's like the the one, I forgot the one, Fool's Gold, right? Like, that's like Matthew McConaughey and Kate Yeah, Hudson, of course. they're like on an no, adventure. No, there's a grandiose you know? adventure, or even <laughs> obviously Pretty Woman. Like, there's just, I mean, like, yeah. True, true. Th- this is just very, like, has closed, and again, it helps via the cinematography, like, could be almost like a documentary or just like, you know. You know what film this reminds me of? And I'm not sure if you've seen this one. I don't think you have, actually, because we've talked about this. But Ed Burns does this film, Sidewalks of New York. No. It has a very similar feel. Not the biggest Ed, Ed Burns. That's his, that, to me, is his best film. Okay. Um, I actually like that one. Again, not not all his films are in that caliber to <laughs> me. But, but, but I actually do like that one. And this one reminds me of that. It's kind of shot okay. in a similar way. Obviously, it's a New York film. That has more of an ensemble than this one. Sure. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think there's like I think there's room for the indie romantic comedy, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, and just back to, like, you know, romantic comedies getting shit on and stuff. I Sometimes it's not fair. Sometimes, you know, it, it's a good medium to just discuss... Yeah, I mean, they all don't have to be Annie Hall or, let's go with the modern Annie Hall, 500 Days of Summer. Like, no, of, of course not. 
But they all don't have to be really crappy either, like some of them are as well. Like you, No, you, and I mean, but each fall into different, I mean, I didn't list one of these, but like 10 Things I Hate About You. Like the 90s had a lot of great teen like rom-coms. Oh, definitely. And you know what's funny? I'm going to say this, and this is probably going to be a controversial statement. I think horror movies get such a pass for certain things, yeah. like cliche and, and just... I guess they're more under the magnifying glass these days. But for it took a while for horror films. It took a while because there are films that people swear by that go by all the cliches, Mm -hmm. and which is fine, fine, whatever. I'm not criticizing that. But then romantic comedies get criticized for the same exact thing. Oh, this is such like this romantic comedy, or this happens. I think it comes down to when films have like more like horrors have like less dialogue. It's much horrors are much more visual, while rom coms are almost about like conversation that's something we could talk about after this podcast do you know any romantic comedies that are more visual i'm sure there's some probably some european ones you know i mean we're saying this is also kind of like in a visual realm yeah but there is still like dialogue you know yeah so i guess back to the film we're just going to run through the plot uh quickly yeah i mean this also has uh, i mean we get a great introduction to aaron and then you know using our catalyst sean philip seymour hoffman and then we also get to meet uh Alan right away and there's just you know like a pretty it's I, I like it it's a very dominoes of like yeah kind of like baton passing at points exactly like, like we get Alan scenes yeah we get Aaron scenes and and just to, to recap this movie is about them meeting essentially yeah so it has that great like fluid back and forth and they don't meet to the end no, they're always they. There's looks between. I mean, Alan volunteers at this aquarium. I'm gonna say something. I definitely liked Aaron's storyline more than Alan's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of silly. It's almost like the weaker Aaron because he also has this side dad story. Yeah, like he. I don't know him and his dad owe money to the mafia yeah, or something. Uh, this guy, I mean... And he's the, like, that, he's like a, a plumber on the side, yeah. or just that's how he gets his money, and he went to school, but yeah, he, wants, the, to, the he ca- wants to be a marine biologist. The like, character of Alan, and then also the acting of the actor, Alan, is my least favorite thing of the story. I don't know, this guy, Alan Gelfand, he just reminds me of like almost like a substitute teacher. <laughs> People take a look at him and just be like, oh, that's yeah. No, that's no, no shot in... to substitute teachers. I know what you mean, though. No, he just looks like he filled in one day. Yeah, for, yeah. You know, like in like for US2. <laughs> that's and just, fair. And taught me about a certain battle. So that, that, that's fair. He does have that vibe. Yeah. And he just, he, I mean, okay, I took a little, you could call it a shot before saying Aaron or even Hope Davis is vanilla. This guy is just like, <laughs> this guy is a plain bagel. Like, he's just, like, not much to him. I'm not, you know, like. I just, his storyline to me was way too silly. And he wasn't, like, a comedy actor. I, I liked like. a little bit of the relationship he has with that classmate. That part was okay to she me. She was she was kind of fun. The mafia elements to me were a little bit like okay. Yeah, <laughs> I like the the actress that I don't have her name in front of me, but the one that plays like the classmate. She's uh, the not Winona Ryder mom character, but she's the other mother character in Stranger Things, and she's in one. Of oh, my, and okay. she's in one of my favorite indie comedies, Beer League, with Artie Lang. She's okay. Awesome. She plays a really good Callie Thorne. Yeah. says her name is. I've definitely seen her before. Yeah, she's she's like uh, she's actually a really fun um, like character. Yeah, she's definitely actor. a character. She's not like a fleshed out yeah person. She's just like a flirty student. She has a very great 
and she's definitely used in this way in this movie in Boston and then in uh in Stranger Things in the Midwest like the daughter makes comments on not wanting to be her mom and then in Beer League with Ari Lang like the working class of whatever area she's Yeah, in. that's fair. So he goes to school, right, to be a marine biologist. He also yeah, volunteers at the aquarium. Yeah. And there's this whole side plot with this puffer fish. So <sighs> weird. I had no I th- I fr- Yeah, like that was, I mean, it's simple enough, but it, or maybe it wasn't intriguing enough that I wasn't, like, paying attention because there's just a few moments I'm like, wait, what is this about? <laughs> I mean, we learn in the beginning because we said Robert Klein is in this, and he plays this lawyer, and so there's this battle between this new piece of property where the aquarium. aquarium is expanding to or taking over, and that's supposed to be a graveyard? Yeah, he, he's like Robert Klein and like rep- Cemetery, represents like uh, mafia elements yeah. that wanted to build a cemetery somewhere that instead the city it's of the Boston... the last place that the mafia cares about. <laughs> yeah, the like that's the... it's so silly. You yeah. think of the condominiums, you know, yeah. like to quote Rocky, but Rocky too, but... <laughs> Never use them. <laughs> but, great rom-com great rom-com yes, yes, Rocky 2 of course but no screw Adrian <laughs> but we have like this weird angle right like that they, they the mafia wants to build a cemetery Robert Klein's this lawyer mm-hmm. and the aquarium builds there instead yeah. so the with Alan working at the aquarium yeah they want to get him to kill this fish because the fish like represents the aquarium kill the fish or take the fish no they want him to kill the fish so they want the fish to sleep with the fishes. <laughs> yes, yes, literally. <laughs> Alan, again, we're, we're just bouncing around the plot here. Alan eventually doesn't kill the fish. He's, like, struggling with this decision to kill this fish. Yeah. And so if he kills the fish, he doesn't have to pay back his loan to the mafia. <laughs> so silly. So he chops up some... <laughs> some other fish. fish. Tosses it. Oh, and they kind of, like, loosely set this up of, like, the fish and even the penguins, like, get out of their, like, or can go into Yeah. Their so... Yeah, uh, there's this also aloof security guard that was working at the hospital that gets fired. Bob. Bob. He's actually like closetedly gay. But yeah, he says, this like, is really weird. Gay side slurs a lot. And yeah, he dates. This is one of the connections, actually. Yeah, he dates um, Aaron's friend. And like, yeah, this another uh, nurse. This other nurse, and that's how kind of they get close. And the, but they're not yeah. close. And the other way is when Aaron starts dating uh, Alan's brother. And his two friends have this bet of trying to go on a date with a girl. Yeah, so there's all these connections yeah. in this film. But this whole pufferfish crap. So he doesn't kill it's the fish, like you puff. said. He, is, he steals the fish instead. Yeah, and then tricks the security guard, Bob, goes over and sees in the piranha case... He tossed in Alan tossed in like chopped up dead fish and just sees a bunch of blood in the empty puffer fish uh, exhibit. Exhibit, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> and which the people of Boston love this puffer fish. And they cut to this weird like uh, news segment of kids like being like, and now it's dead, so I don't think I'll ever see it again. It's just like a really it's weird. It's a random fish to like base your aquarium on. Anyway, like why not a shark? Yeah. Lions. Who the shark? <laughs> no, there's semi Rocky two related thing because he that's the guy who actually says Yeah, now we're going we're line, You're yes. gonna make me go off on one of the biggest tangents of all time. No, we will not go off on that tangent. Maybe another time. Fish pun, reel back in. <laughs> we are reeled back in. So Aaron Wright 
one of the like the I guess pivotal scenes is when she has this dinner with her mother. Yeah. And her mother They have a cold relationship. They have a very cold relationship. Long story short, you know, her mother eventually puts an ad out for her in the newspaper. Yeah. Unbeknownst to Aaron. Unbeknownst to Aaron. And Aaron's kind of not really having it. Yeah, because the mom also kind of like does not sell her. I love it's the kicker, punter, whatever you want to call him from the water boy. She goes on. Yes, the yes. Yeah. Okay, so that's yeah. I definitely want to talk about her dates. Yeah. But she decides to go on these dates because she puts in Philip Seymour Hoffman's breakup tape. Yeah. So we get to see a little bit more of this, which is which is kind of funny, and it is exactly how great, you described I, it. Yeah. She yeah, it's this great back and forth between she puts in the tapes very like she's tearing and stuff like that. I love seeing this tape though that he's just like listing the stuff that he, <laughs> he's he such made a dick. her made him like fall out of love with her or just his reasoning behind leaving and helping the Tatooinis or whatever <laughs> the Tatooinis yeah the Jawas the Jawas and <laughs> the Sand People and. Um, <laughs> In numbers, in greater numbers. <laughs> that's, that's good. What does he say? Like, they can't never believe Mark side yeah. by side. Oh, we should know we're good Star Wars fans. Walk in single form. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, she's watching the tape, but then she sees that there's a bunch of messages, right? Yeah, Where, on like, her, machine. her machine is going like crazy. And it's because, you know, yeah. from the dating service. Well, I've got, we'll play a little bit of it. First off, is uh, you never come with me once to my rallies. And the reason why you don't want to come to my rallies is that you do not like the masses, uh, crowds, whatever. Uh, what do you have against the masses is what I want to know. I am in the mass. I am a member of the crowd. And it's and workers, Aaron. That's the only way we as a people in this country, we as a people in this society, will move and forward. And you have no was a rally, our relationship, and I showed up to it. How many signs, how many slogans, how many things I'm chained to, I cannot somehow change our relationship. I can't change you. I really have to say, I wonder if any man really ever could. I love that. That's a really great, I mean, for you, it's specifically just audio. There's a good back and forth between this close-up of the answering machine and then Philip Seymour Hoffman's face on the TV screen. <laughs> but I just love this rude interrupting that we're hearing of the answering machine taking over. And it's just its just her frustration, and it's to the bubbling point of her going, fuck it, I'm going on these dates. I I'm going to respond to these guys. You know more about the technical aspects of film than I do. Do you think they actually were playing the clip there? Like, she was watching it and reacting to it? I mean... It feels like she definitely is. Yeah. You know? she, it feels like he, she's reacting to his performance. I'm leaning more definitely towards yes. Like, she... At least for when she's over there watching the TV, and then for that back and forth, it might have been, like, you know, in the wide shots, it was, like, muted, and she's just kind of doing... Yeah, and, and like, I love how his just, like, selfishness is just the catalyst that she kind of needs to try to move on here. Mm-hmm. So she decides to go on all these dates... And this is a really fun segment. Actually, it reminded me of a show I watched recently, which I'm telling you you have to, Master of None. In the second season, there's a really great episode of him just going to the same restaurant, which he's kind of at the same bar uh, in this. Uh, yeah, she is. Yeah. And it's just in Master of None, there's a really great with Aziz Ansari of him just going on a bunch of dates via a dating app. So that's actually, that's what I've seen recently. That was a really Yeah, that's good. true. Aziz Ansari, that's kind of his thing. Yeah. 
even back to his stand-up. So I really enjoyed this because it's and, this... and you could totally screw this up. You, I've seen plenty of movies that screw this up as well, and they did. You're right; they did a really good job here. Because actually, earlier there's even so, the first time we get them, possibly he sees her. Even on like I think they're on the same. They take the same train. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, that's. But then at the aquarium, he sees her and he's trying to get her attention when he's in the water volunteering there. Yeah. And then the next time... There's like an time, aquarium gala, too. Yeah, the next time is we also think that they're at the bar at the same time, but she's there earlier in the day with her friends, and he's there later on, and we meet his brother and his goofy friends, one of them played by H. John Benjamin, who we said. Yeah, like and a typical that's guy when, click. Yeah, and that's when we get like a typical, like almost like an American pie, or you know, like this bonding of the bros of like, oh, let's find someone in the classifieds that the three of us will go on dates with and whoever sleeps with her first. Yeah, they make a bet. Yeah. And they pick Aaron. So there those are three of the guys but that we to get be to clear see that us. Alan isn't in on this. No, bet. Alan Alan Alan's a good guy. We can definitely get that from <laughs> Oh wait, like in this same scene I have to mention this. They go through this um Emerson quote, right? Yeah. Which I don't even remember. I didn't even bother to write this down. Is it Emerson or is it Thoreau? Oh, it could be Thoreau. I don't know. To me, I didn't. I didn't like this aspect of it at all. Emerson, Thoreau, and Whitman are just always. <laughs> well, Whitman is so New York to me. Like, sure. Emerson and Thoreau are so Massachusetts, so I guess it like makes sense there. I I don't know. I think it's Thoreau. Yeah. They end up saying this quote, like every one of them on the date, and this wasn't conscious, right? Or was it? No, because that's like their te- like that's their how tell. Yeah, be. every one of them uses this this like one quote to sound smart. So in this montage, it's not just these friends dating her. It ends up being like, like you said, the kicker and the water boy. It's yeah. One of the guys who dates her. Some older guy that she seems to be really responding to, and then when he opens up his wallet, he drops out his wedding ring. Yeah, yeah. So every one of them sucks except this guy. Yeah. And the, the montage, I, that's not really a good word for it, but just like this set of clips mm-hmm. kind of ends with like, oh, she actually likes this guy. Yeah. It's going to go like, to the next level. We're going to leave the bar. Yeah. And, and then, then the wedding ring drops out, and he makes some yeah. kind of excuse, and it's just like, yeah. <laughs> and I think, and obviously you're talking from the guy's perspective, this part really reminded me of online dating. Because every time I've talked to like a woman who's gone through the online dating process, they wind up with, like, I think she gets, like, 64 messages in her answering machine. Yeah. They wind up with hundreds of messages with loser guys, mm-hmm. a lot of the times, saying the same things. And th- this the is the stuff on Aaron's. nice guys like me. We just get lost in the... <laughs> lost in the shuffle, I yeah. guess, right? Um, and I feel like a lot of dates for women and guys can turn out this way. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, like in your experience, I'm sure that's the case. Yeah. plenty. And it's funny. Cause like, we kind of think that we have moved in a different direction with online dating, but this stuff kind of has happened since the dawning of time. Just people not being compatible. Yeah. I mean, you're never going to know it till you're just like right there. And even there, you don't know, you could date someone for years and well, like, of not, course. Not yeah, know, that's but, the but, great. That's just the human you know, is to err. <laughs> but it's most relationships, you will, if you will, are nipped at the bud on that first date. Yeah. There's got to be that chemistry. At, just that back and forth. Or just, I don't know. Yeah. Chemistry. It can be like, you know, I've been on dates where I'm listening the whole time or I'm talking the whole time or there's a nice balance, but there just has to be that I, through either way the conversation goes, both sides have to be like intrigued. Yeah. No, that's, that's, it's like the crux of this that I love. 
it's real. You know, mm-hmm. this feels real. It doesn't feel like a phony romantic comedy where they're like looking for like romancing the stone or something. Yeah. You know, like and so the third guy is out of like the group of friends is H. John Benjamin, and she and so those guys are there. The other two friends just are there watching. Yeah. Right? So so, I oh this is something funny that you in a movie now you'd probably see it like progressed a, li- a little like the bet is the first one who like hooks up with her uh-huh. but the rules is you, you just have to kiss her oh. you know so i thought, I thought they said sleep no no, no it's kiss and so they're all at the bar yeah waiting to see if the kiss happens in disguise every yeah. time a date happens she realizes this through the third time of this guy making that quote and then she also does see the two other guys watching yeah so she decides to like set them up in like a screwy I have a plan with her. She's got a very big, like, loophole in her plan, and it is all based upon... So she says to him, keep it a secret, and meet meet me tonight. And then she calls, and the three of the guys are hanging out at Alan slash Alan's brother's place, and she calls the two other guys, and her big thing is just, like, don't tell your friends. In this realm, like, doesn't that's all she says? Like, ooh, let's keep it a secret or whatever. In the realm of that, they have a bet. Why wouldn't they share it with one another? I was thinking that too. However, I think the chase of the the woman might inspire them because she's like, "Don't tell," and they're like, "They know." I don't know. It's a stretch. I agree. Also, what does she have to lose though? She's like, oh, of course. If, if yeah, this yeah, works yeah, out, yeah, it's yeah. fun. If it doesn't, whatever. And then we get to almost the other meeting of Aaron and Alan, which is she's sitting across in this one restaurant, and she's watching the three friends show up. And they kind of have this really like extreme reaction to one another and almost start like fist-fighting each other when they realize that they've all been tricked into showing up at the same place. And then Alan happens to be there with that classmate because he just wants his notes back. But she thinks at first they're looking at one another across the way, and then he does a wave, but then it's the classmate. That yeah, and so the classmate thinks it's a date. And then they yeah. kind of do start dating at that point. Alan's yeah. like trying to like keep it keep it like on friendly terms, but I think well, he says, like, why not? That's one of my next favorite things of the movie is that – so Erin, before that, she is just working at the hospital, and some guy has – what did he get? West Nile? Oh, right? I don't know. I think it might be malaria. Oh, malaria. Something. Okay, something sure. of that. And it's this guy Andre, this Brazilian guy, uh, which I've recognized him from other things. But yeah, and he's—they actually—they're pretty compatible. You know. Yeah, I mean, well, that—that's that's when Nova they bring music, in the whole Bossa Nova. Yeah. Yeah. And so that leads to he like, like literally knows the same songs she does and stuff. Yeah, and he start he starts singing the lyrics. And but you could tell she's a little apprehensive. You know, she's, yeah. like, not ready to move on from Phil Zimmer Hoffman's character. And you're right. I like that. And this is where I start liking Alan's scenes. I have to ask you, were you rooting for them to get together? Alan and Aaron? I wasn't necessarily rooting. I was just really curious. I was like, this movie actually would be really brilliant if they don't meet in the end. It would, but, it, like, movies like that just don't get made, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it's... I and I can't tell you the book, but I had a writing professor in college. Someone asked that question, like, why doesn't that happen? I had a writing professor in college tell me that like a book like that existed and I read it and it was like great writing. It was all these stories that you thought were gonna in, be intertwined and uh-huh. then they didn't. Yeah. And I, the book is slipping my mind right now. And 
it was a great story, but it really didn't. It wasn't a great story, you know. Yeah. After I finished that book, I'm like, what the hell was I reading that for? I you think know? it would play off better as a visual though than just like. I guess, but it's just to me the tone it set. They had to meet, you know. Yeah. This isn't like a very artistic film, or, or even like meet, and then they just. Eh. Like, <laughs> I guess. To quote me, you like that. This is this is another romantic comedy that you didn't mention. That's a sleeper hit. That if we just did, if we not a sleeper hit, but a sleeper thing that both of us really love, that a lot of people hate. And if we did a podcast of just on random movies, we would definitely talk about it. And it's actually on Netflix, The Breakup. Oh, yeah. How did I not include that? That's something, though, that people got pissed off at. Oh, well, they didn't get together. Is it a rom-com or is it a breakup yeah, film? Yeah, it, it, it's a breakup <laughs> film. I don't know. But it, it's something I like that they don't get together in the end. You know, I, but, th- There's a hint that they might, Yeah, and that's fine for me. Oh, it's one of the most, to me, one of the... But a lot of people, a lot of yeah. people hated that aspect of I it. I remember having to explain that to one friend. He was just like, "I'm so saddened by the end." I'm like, "No, it's kind of perfect. They run into one another on the street, and there's that great, they, you know, Vince Vaughn has like the great like little wink to her at the end, and then that uh, I'm totally blanking on who sings that song, but like I can see clearly yeah, I now remember. the rain is gone. Like it's just a great use of a song that I love when not only like a song melody wise fits into a movie, but like just the lyrics even explain like the next passage of time that's probably going to happen. May, look, maybe they get together. I happen to think they don't get together. I I think they see each other and they're like satisfied. Yeah. You know, like you know, it's kind of like closure. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I don't care. You know. But a lot of people did criticize that. Like, I just watched a movie about a breakup. You next know? to Philip Seymour Hoffman, along came Polly, my next favorite side character in a rom-com is John Favreau. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's great in that. He's amazing. In they that. have great chemistry, well, yeah, obviously. Have, yeah, exactly. Vince Vaughn and John Favreau. But the point is, I'm not sure that a lot of people look for those kind of endings, you know? You said you love Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah. Happy ending overall there, you know? Yeah. And, and that feels good there. Well, there's a really good payoff. There's that, just like... A payoff, and that, yeah. that's, that, that's the key word there. And, like, I've struggled with this with my own writing, like, most of the time, people don't have good payoffs. Mm-hmm. But do people really want to see that, you know? And I think where I, where I agree with you would have been interesting. I don't think the tone was set here for that kind of ending. Hmm. I think it was too silly for that, yeah, you know? Sure. Like the pufferfish crap, you know? Not that I like that, but, you know. Yeah. So to go back, she meets this guy, Andre, who's just, like, almost like, well, he's just very persistent. I was going to say enamored, but he's just very persistent. Mm-hmm. In his, let's go on a date, and even waits for her outside of she sit, like says like yeah, and like I shift. said, she's she's apprehensive. But. Yeah, well, that's just she's very yeah, she's apprehensive. She's gu- guarded because Sean has this has like been like umpteenth time that he's left her or whatever, and she's just been going on these shitty dates, and even like these three guys have planned to you know they've colluded to you know not uh, actually going and dating her. Yeah, dating scene sucks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Boston, late 90s dating scene, rough. <laughs> uh, but, so they kind of go on a date, and they're just walking around, enjoying themselves, and that's when Alan and his classmate go on whale watching, but she's also, she's sick and not enjoying it. Yeah, but then they he goes, because he's looking to try to connect with her, yeah. and see if there's a possibility. And not she, exactly romantically, but then he kind of opens up in a way. She, yeah, but she's not They both kind of open up at the same time. Yeah. They both are, they're making out with their perspective, you know. This is like very side by side scenes in terms yeah. of literally. Yeah, intercut, yeah. They're they're intercut. And 
they you think oh maybe they found somebody else and we're not going to see these two together i mean i don't think you really thought that but yeah but we pretty much right away get that alan because he goes and he sees the professor from his marine biology class is making out with the you know his new possible yeah she kind of originally seemed like she wanted to get together with him to pass the class but then yeah. i think she really liked him but she needed to pass that class yeah. so she sleeps with the professor of you know their mutual class and right before that though we get our next Philip Seymour hoffman scene yeah boy this actually really struck like really you know like landed with me he's very like earnest in this scene like he's the exact opposite of the opening scene yeah and i mean i just love in general like he she even says like oh you cut your hair and besides like you have to go like oh he's as many times as he's left her he's had this scene as well of coming back and begging or whatever and he's just very yeah uh i don't know let's, let's play a little bit of it definitely your hair. Yeah. Um, oh, we finished the job. We uh, stopped them from building the dam. We saved the land, the reservation, the river, everything. What are you, what are you doing in Boston? Uh, We saved the burial grounds, and uh, the Tantunis were very grateful, and they were so grateful that they decided to build a casino on it. You know? It's just all about money. You know, my heart isn't in it anymore. It's just really lonely down there. I really miss you, and I'm wrong. You're the one who doesn't need to change. I'm the one who needs to change. I don't want you to change. I mean, don't ever change. You know what I mean? Ooh, you get that, like, the slow, the more calm piano music. Oh, yeah, I didn't catch that. And, you know, as opposed to the more upbeat, like, the juxtaposition. This is much more, the music is on the same page as the feelings of the scene, the mood of the scene, versus, you know, our original, we get that, like, fun bossa nova and this, like, intense breakup. And if we want to talk about our guy, Philip Seymour Hoffman, right, the one word that comes to mind, that almost everyone who's been on this podcast has said it, range, right? Range. And next one, vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, he's vulnerable here, and, yeah. and which we've seen so many times with him. But he's just showing right now, he's showing the depths of this character's humanity who could have just as easily, another actor could have just as easily played this as just a silly character. Yeah. He feels like he's actually learned here. No, yeah, I said it, like, it really, like, it hit home with me when he, like, says it's really lonely out there. As a guy, hey, I'll open up right now. I took a little trip to Thailand. Actually, right when this, <laughs> right when this. Are uh, you sure we want to discuss this on the podcast? A, a, a small spectrum of it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Actually, I was taking this trip right when this. Po- I was there when the first episode aired, and I I called you at one point. And I'm like, 
I've, I've recently, I've traveled much more in recent years, and this was a trip I took by myself, and I always meet fantastic people, but I just, I had a moment of, wow, I wish I had someone I could have shared this with, and so just moments like this when he says, it's really lonely out there, you know, as a guy that, uh, you know, isn't in a relationship, and you just have these, you know, meals by yourself, or you see a movie by yourself, you know, all those are great moments, sometimes but not all the time and i think this guy is realizing i mean the big thing is that he's pro the protest that he was doing for these native americans you know as he said uh you know we saved the land the reservation the burial ground and they were so grateful they built a casino on it it's all it's all about money and so he's just really like the guy that was, you know, on the soapbox and so like, you know, this is it. He's just reminded again. So Thailand, you went for romance and you realized it was all about money. <laughs> yeah. I'm just joking. I'm no, just for joking. romance, you need to have money in Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> or bot. Soapy massage. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. But I know what you're saying, though. And, and I loved that, right? He... Reality set in, you know. Yeah. The real world came. Exactly. He could not save the world, and he now realized it. You might meet five beautiful Danish women <laughs> in, in uh, you know, Chiang Mai, but you go your ways back to Phuket, and they go their ways traveling. Is the this what this podcast is going to start to be about? Because we could Ladies do that and podcast. <laughs> let me tell you. All right, stopping everything, Kyle. <laughs> I want you to lie vertically on this couch. Tell me about your mother. She's a lovely lady, <laughs> I'm joking, and I'm joking. just trying to find someone to, you know, <laughs> fill her shoes. Oh boy, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Here, the truth comes out. That's... <laughs> Reel it in, oh, like like that man. blowfish. Reel it in. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on. No, this I this is just I really love all three facets of his character, the way we see him, we get this again, great like a funny funny part, the juxtaposition in the beginning, the middle where we just get like, you know, like the stuff that we're alluded to in the first scene of this videotape and we get the good, you know, that each thing each moment, he's a very important character that every moment, for the first, that pushes us into our story. The middle, that pushes her into dating. This makes her go like, I need to make a decision. You yeah. Know, just like, she sees that, and I mean, she does make that decision of that this time she doesn't say, all right, come back in, Sean. Come back into my life. Come back into our apartment. Come back into our home. Yeah, so unfortunately, it is the last time we see him in a scene. Yes. We do get a little glimpse of him later but i think this is the one time that if she re- we don't see this but if she rejects him that while he's probably really bummed out he's like okay with it you know yeah every guy in this movie i mean like a strong, strong female character in Aaron, but every guy in this movie is just like just seems like a uh adaptable creature you know what i'm saying they just press on like they just i don't know they just have this but that's they're real, like revolving you know? yeah, yeah, yeah no they have this but they just have this kind of like revolving door especially andre our brazilian character just has this very revolving door attitude to him <laughs> no that that's definitely fair yeah so i mean oh and a big thing is to say is that andre this guy that she does not know for long 
uh, invites her to come back to Brazil. Yeah, he's leaving to Brazil, yeah. so she kind of has to make this choice. And Alan's not even a choice here at all. No, not at all. She it's just like, yeah. do I bring it, Phillips and Rohoffen back? Yeah. Do I go off with Andre, mm-hmm. or do I just, you know? When I hear Andre, I just always life. think of the Seal movie or the Giant. That's a better one, yeah. Yeah. You said the seal, and then you're yeah. like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. So while well, we get kind of Aaron, she has this thing with Sean, and I guess uh, Alan's version is he brings the fish back, and he has this meeting with Frank slash. We definitely see. Well, we see for the first time that it's like Robert Klein is with this, you know, like enforcer Frank. And, and where does this take place? They're happy with the results at the a, ra- a racetrack. A dog racetrack. This is the yeah. second time in this podcast that we've seen these dog oh, yeah. racetracks. Yeah. The first one being in the getaway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's also an important thing that this like dog racetrack is a stop on the train, and like so is the aquarium. It's on this on this one line. Yeah, pretty much all the scenes take place along this this line on on the Boston train yeah. there. Um. At this dog track is the last time we actually see an allusion, though, to Philip Seymour Hoffman. Because Robert Klein comes in, mm-hmm. and he's like, we got some problem with somebody on the waterfront, you know. Uh, okay. th- this, like, bozo is, like, you know, protesting so and making... He, he found his next mission, Sean. A- and, yeah, so it's Sean, and we see it on the newspaper, and he's protesting some project they're doing on the water. And for some reason, because... Because Alan took out this fish, which he really didn't, it's implied that Alan should, I think, kill Philip Seymour Hoffman or just like at least take care of him. He says he says to him, he's like, you know, that yeah, yeah, like yeah. he did good, you know, he did a good job here. Like, can he do this mission? It's like <laughs> that would have been a twist, right? If Alan somehow yeah. was forced to kill Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, Jesus, it obviously doesn't go that way. It does not get nearly as well, dark as Alan. <laughs> maybe, but Alan, like, you know, refuses the assignment comically, returns the fish. Yeah that whole deal and so then they're both Aaron after that Alan's on the train yeah Aaron decides to go to Brazil she's got her bags packed she's heading uh, she's in a cab but there's really bad the tunnel's all clogged up (laughs) you know and this is where I I really was rooting for uh, Alan yeah oh okay yeah no I was actually rooting for Alan and Aaron to get together at this point yeah because I I wouldn't just like the ending if she just goes to Brazil yeah so she's it's a really packed train, and then she just seems to be in, like, a, I don't know, like, almost a fatigue of sorts, right? I guess she's she's going through a lot of emotions, Yeah. and she gets pushed into Alan. It's a little weird. There's a very, like, she's just a stranger, but she's just totally, like, she, leaning she into She explains him. throughout the movie how she, she hates, she doesn't mind being alone. Yeah. She just, like, and, and I can relate to her being, like, a commuter every day on the subway, like, there's nothing worse than that feeling of, like, you feel so alone when there's so oh, many people on the that train. is something that I didn't bring up that I really love about this film that I hardly see in other movies. She, you know, in the use of the camera, they really show from a single person's perspective of, like, the way... I mean, people people watching in general, I'm, everyone does it, but again, I relate to it as a single person, that you're just, like, looking around and you're just taking in, like, the old couple that you're just... And just the daydreams you might be going into of how long they've been together or what these people are saying. Just these really great, you like, just average looks on people's faces. Like, not, like, 
clear feelings. I'm glad you brought that up because the the other thing they do too, which I love that, but the other thing they do too is showing really like guys checking her out, mm-hmm. which I think is fair. It's not like over exaggerated. Yeah. She's like an attractive woman in the city, and you know, there's been a lot of press lately about like catcalling and stuff but this is the 90s and people aren't really catcalling is one thing or just looking at somebody is different yeah yeah but some of them are looking at her in like a suggestive manner and i think it's at the movie it's a male director so but the movie does a good job of showing that like male gaze on her mm-hmm. maybe it's even just how she feels in the crowd sure you know yeah and she's not like oh i'm so pretty everyone's checking me out but it's more like it feels incredibly uncomfortable to her okay yeah Especially being like single and stuff, reminding of her singleness, and and you're right, they do a really good job of showing that. So she falls into, or just kind of pushed into Alan's arms, shoulder, and yeah, on this crowded train. Then to she the looks up, and I don't know if they have this moment of like I've seen you several times before. Maybe they do, but that's not very clear. But she makes this decision to stay on the train instead of going to the airport. Let me tell you, one of the few things I found out about this movie, it was my little info of the, it cost a million bucks, sold for six. The other thing is that they had this reshoot scene, or not reshoot, I'm sorry, additional scene shoot of Andre on the plane, and it's because when they showed this film to test audiences, they were very upset that Aaron... Because Andre seemed like a pretty nice guy, this nice yeah. Brazilian guy that was like really in love with her, and or or you know very interested in her, and she could have went and gone to Brazil and found some passion, some new love, and they didn't like not you know like her not going with Andre, so they do this scene, and you can tell like I paid more attention that Andre's hair is like a totally different style, not totally, it's much it's a shorter haircut, yada yada yada, and. He just uh, is sitting next, you know, she's supposed to be to his one side, and then there's this attractive other lady to his next, and when she's not there, he just kind of starts hitting on this other woman. And that was to show... Oh, okay. That was to show that he was, what I read, that he's as not a nice of a guy as we thought, but to me, it's that's not what it showed. It just showed that he's, again, what I said earlier, like... A revolving door, like he's just like, well, life, you know, yeah, life, life goes on. on. No, and... I, I felt the same way as you yeah. there. I thought it was more like I didn't see. Oh, this guy's a dick because he's moved on right away. No, first he's... of all, she blew him off. Exactly. You know? So that's the most like forgivable. Like, if so maybe guy, yeah. just like uh, you know, let me just hey. talk to this person. Yeah, Why exactly. Not? Yeah. You know, it's not. I don't think. And I mean, it's not like it was an invested thi- like thing. So it's not like he should feel crazy strong feelings for. Aaron, so he just sees an attractive lady. No, because it was like down to the wire whether she would even go or not. You know, yeah, he definitely. he realized that she made her decision, and he's just like moving on. It's not like I'm going to marry this person yeah. next to me. He's just talking to her, you know. Um, yeah, I didn't know if I needed that last scene, but whatever. It was fun because he's like a fun, silly character in a way. But back to like uh, uh, Alan and Aaron meeting on this train. Yeah. What they just like hang out, make out. Yeah, well, they get off, and eventually they like they go to a little beach spot. Is that Wonderland, or we never see Wonderland? I don't know. I'm not from Boston. I know you're not either, obviously. Well, it's not called this stop Wonderland. It's called next stop. No, so maybe true, it's just true. everything is always the next yeah. stop. Is maybe Wonderland does not exist. It's all Wonderland. This movie is Wonderland. <laughs> your body is a Wonderland. Now, not your body. I'm sorry. I was going to say, now we're getting now to a different kind of podcast yeah. that we could discuss. I mean, is that why you called me in Thailand to tell me that? 
your body. <laughs> we need John Rodetsky to do his. Yes, our old our old pal <laughs> from high school. Yes. Who's uh, going to be in a rom-com? Yes, actually, that is true. <laughs> so we were, um, I guess we'll just tie the loose end on this ending. I mean, it's not clear that they, like, 100%, like, they're getting married or something. No, but they very much want to spend more time together. Yeah. So I guess this whole movie is sort of a prequel to what their relationship might be. This is the rom-com equivalent of Unbreakable to superhero movies. <laughs> <laughs> Unbreakable, M. Night Shyamalan movie, is the first act of a superhero movie, Finding Your Powers. This is the first act of meeting the person, you know, your true love interest. Yeah, the kismet, as you said. Yes. And it does take place over a short amount of time, you yeah. know. You could theoretically start a movie with this scene and not explain everything else and just use exposition and then do their story. I'm not sure I'd you necessarily want to see it because we've seen that one already. Yeah, but I love I love a good like a good breakdown. That's what this film is. It's like a breakdown of again the first act, the kismet of a relationship. So, do you think their meeting was fate, or is is the film trying to tell us that their meeting was fate? Well, they have okay. So early on to that uh, scene that she's having with her, a lot of her coworkers, there's this one female character that she's. Erin states she does not believe in fate, and her and she's very clear about this. Yeah, very clear about it. The, like I don't know if she uses the word coincidence, but it's just very much you know she uses an example of this you know of her parents and how they met and of this. You know, they met on an airplane because a cab hit this puppy, so the mom's flight was delayed. So then, it, but almost her thing, I'm just like, well, that kind of. Stuff. And the woman goes, "No, that's fate." I mean, it's just a very, it's a you believe or you don't believe. I don't know exactly my standpoint on it, but in this film, they're definitely alluding to that it does exist. So you think so? Yeah, in this in this film, them their meeting is like it's fate. Gotcha. But at the same time, you can say, like, I mean, it's. A I mean, I think like I'm not someone who does believe in fate like I that. Like, I feel like a coincidence is like a one-off thing, and a series of co- coincidences could be interpreted as fate. It's true. I a think a butterfly the, effect of sorts. Yeah, I think a butterfly effect's different. You know, oh, one thing yeah. affecting it leading yeah. to another. I think that might even be the opposite of fate, but. To me, yeah, it could be fate, and maybe the movie's trying to tell us this, but it just as easily could be something that happens in a city, you know? I commute every day. There might be someone that I almost run into every day who I just have not processed in my mind, or maybe I have, you know, yeah. just like in the back recesses of my mind. It's, um, this is a city film, and I think that kind of stuff happens all the time. I think the more, like, fate things, again, is like, the, the, her, uh, his brother and friends like dating her and stuff. Yeah. I think those are more of the fate things. Sure. That's going to be one interesting. Like, yeah. That's a nice. Gonna, combo, I think like, they're huh? going to have a hard time in their relationship. Once she, she's going to have a very, I don't blame her very skepticism towards, is this an even bigger plot? Well, it's funny because Alan, and I thought that brother. was going to happen because he mentions the, the quote too. Yeah. Well, she finished. She more, he says, says it. She he, said, no, you he know, just says like a word. He acknowledges that yeah. he knows the quote, and yeah. she's not like, wait a minute. Yeah, exactly. Just because he got the quote right, though, it's like, oh, okay, well, he actually knows it, so it's fine. Yeah, because they each say, like, one guy even says Marx at one point. Yeah, they it's all funny, say it's they all know this quote, it. but they don't know who said it. That's yeah. kind of a silly thing, but it, it, whatever. It, it, it's, it's silly. But, um... C'est la vie. 
Yeah, say la vie. In the end, they do get together. Yeah. We get our ending. Things are kind of tied in a knot, and who knows what they do after this, but we're assumed that they at least try to have a good relationship. They seem compatible. Yeah. So in in this movie, we don't get a lot of Philips and Hoffman yet again, but I was satisfied with it. No, this is one of my... This is definitely one of my more favorite roles. It's a great. It's a great way in the early second act of his career to, uh, to you know kick it off. Do you feel like he had a payoff or no? Yeah, definitely. He, he comes full circle, but it just I guess he doesn't win back Aaron's affection. No, we see him again. He's somebody that's just gonna fall back into. He and like Andre are very similar because then we get like, oh, Andre's just gonna move on to the next woman, and then Sean's just gonna move on to the next like rally the next, you know, he needs to find something to fill in this He'll meet someone passionate, too. I'm convinced. Yeah, he'll and I find feel some like... granola <laughs> something or other. Rather than the vanilla girl he has now, I'll get a granola-flavored woman. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> the thing about it, though, is he's definitely changed, so I feel like in his next relationship he'll do a better job at keeping the person that he loves, if that's what he wants, you know. I don't think he's Maybe. Gonna, I don't think he's going to completely fall back to his old. I think ways. he's a creature of habit, though. He is, and for some things, but I, again, I think he really learned this time. But she was just—I think she was just over it, which, yeah. by all means, she should have been at that point. Yeah, well, he just needs to find somebody. I mean, it's—it's it's all fair that like he says, like in the you know beginning scene, oh, you're—you don't even like watch TV. You're not. He, yeah, he—he he needs to find someone that at least is somewhat. In, maybe doesn't go all all the rallies, but at least is like at least in the same atmosphere. Or at least like it, it's pretty obvious that Aaron doesn't really respect that world of his either. Maybe she did at one point, but yeah. she does not respect it now. At least he needs to find somebody who r- respects what he does. Yeah. Simple as that. So yeah, I mean that's pretty much um, all there is to talk to with, about this movie. I mean, great performance for Philip Seymour Hoffman. I really liked it. It's definitely a romantic comedy that I would recommend to people. Yeah, I would definitely. This is a strong film that I would say take your time to watch and enjoy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another uh, strong film, you could say. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's putting it mildly. Uh, this is a uh, cult yes, classic. Yes, a film that's a lot of people's favorite film, actually. Yeah, I can, I'm hoping we get a lot of buzz from this uh Episode, this next episode. Next week's film, um, The Big Lebowski. The Big Lebowski. Coen Brothers. We've mentioned Philip Seymour. We've got a few. Jenny, I know John said like this is his like favorite, one of his favorite characters of Brent. Uh, you know, <laughs> Hoffman's character. We get a little bit more, another version of his waspy. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely going to be a really fun episode. And our guest is none other than Christopher. I know him as Leon Mengen. And you might not know the name, but you have definitely see his skills, and that is creating our original artwork of the podcast, and I cannot wait to have him on. Yeah, yeah, his artwork's great. We'll definitely discuss it with him, and we'll talk yeah. about a bunch of things, but most importantly, we'll talk about uh, Big Lebowski, hopefully with some white Russians. Oh my god, yeah, I've got, the, I've got a shirt that I'm going to wear. <laughs> I was the dude once for uh, Halloween, even though I'm a little bit closer to a uh, Walter. Fair. <laughs> That's fair. We could talk about that, too. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. Like we always say, follow us, like us, share, subscribe. Let us know what you think. Yeah, start, like, co- comment more. I want to I hear. We're getting that. some nice comments. We're getting some nice feedback, and we want to have discussions here. We want to yes. talk about it. We, we don't care if you disagree. We want you to disagree. You know, 
we want you to agree too. But we, we, we love talking about this. As you can see, like our podcast probably for some people might run long because we're just talking. We're just having fun talking. So yeah. we want you to be part of that conversation and help us celebrate this great guy. So thank you so much for listening today. Thank you for being fans. And P.S. Stay uncool, Hoff fans. Stay uncool. See you later, guys. Peace. Sex of things, sex of things. I believe in miracles.